everybody. Scott Bowden and Brian Last right along ringside and ready to go for a very special big day of Kentucky Fried Wrestling. We're talking KFR's first annual New Year's Day gala celebration, commemorating the slow, painful demise of that vile, conniving, country-jiving, heartbreaking, rule-breaking, egg-sucking dog of a year. 2017, to be exact. Which has now been forever banished from this territory to parts unknown. Uh, and trust me when I say this, dear listeners, 2017 had it coming. Uh, I'm sort of looking at this first show of uh, 2018 as a shiny new baby face that's hit the territory, loaded with potential and possibilities, capturing the hearts and minds of all of you, and getting this podcast back on track to the promised land, uh, or at the very least, a consistent schedule. Brian, happy new year to you, my good man. Uh, tell the fine folks what we got lined up for them today. Happy New Year to you too, Scott. I know 2017 closed on you like the steel cage door, cracking Kerry Von Erich's skull at the beefy hands of Terry Gordy on Christmas <laughs> night, 1982 in Dallas. But I have to think you'll be leaving that unforgiving steel structure a much stronger, possibly even wiser, man, husband, son, friend, podcast host wait a minute whoa, whoa, whoa. let's let's not let's not get carried away here now <laughs> well all right well all kidding aside i have to say it warmed the cockles of my heart to mm. see post on facebook and twitter revealing that you spent a rather romantic day honoring your 10th wedding anniversary with your pal mark james and the legendary longtime co-host of the memphis wrestling show dave brown so you're going to tell us all about that meeting as well as take a look back at some of dave's best moments on memphis wrestling with audio clips from the 70s 80s and 90s all right sounds good sounds like a perfect way to kick off the new year and leave 2017 behind in the dust baby now ordinarily we break to a commercial but why don't we uh, let the masters Remind us of how it's supposed to be done. Hope you are, because we get plenty of it to offer today, David. I'm ready. We're going to have the New York Dolls in here in the opening match, tag team match today. Superstar Bill Dundee will be along in a single match. And we'll have uh, Jesse Barr, the brand-new Mid-America champion. He will be in what should be a fine match against Terry Taylor. Single match there. Dutch Mantel goes against Carl Fergie. And it'll be Sweet Brown Sugar and Bob Eden going against the Fabulous Ones in an expirational time main event. We got some action coming up today. You better believe it. If nothing else, that expiration of time, we'll be sitting on ready, waiting to go in there. We've got some other great bouts coming along, some highlights and all of that today on Championship Wrestling. Buckle down those seat belts. We're going to take time out. We'll be back with an opening bout for you coming up in just one moment. Termite. Let AAA Termite and Pest Control stop termites before they damage your home. Termites cause more damage each year than fire, storms, and earthquakes combined. That's why AAA Termite and Pest Control specializes in preventive service as well as treatment and repair of termite damage. Trained technicians inspect and treat your foundation, decks, walls, and floors, and the work is guaranteed. Locally owned and operated in Memphis for over 20 years, 
AAA Termite and Pest Control takes care of any problem. Call for a free estimate today. How appropriate with uh, Dave Brown urging folks throughout the Mid-South area to take a proactive approach to termites. Uh, for a few years in the mid-90s, I was a major pest on Saturday mornings, a, a loose cannon of sorts who really seemed to bug Dave whenever I had a hot mic in my hand on live TV. Did that come up during your <laughs> during your anniversary lunch? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't really my anniversary lunch. My, my, my wife was in London and, uh, of course, uh, you know, my sister, uh, passed away and, and, uh, I spent the holidays in Memphis and Mark James, uh, I said, Hey, why don't, why don't we uh, have lunch with Dave Brown? I know this is a great burger joint that he likes. And I was like, did you tell him that I'm coming? <laughs> Does he, is he aware of this? And, uh, cause you know, there's always been like this undercurrent that, that maybe we had some heat, but it came off and we, we ended up, uh, having a, a great afternoon and yeah, and actually. Actually, it did come up, but it, you know, sometimes it's all about context. You know, like people would tell me that Dave would say something like, "You know, I, I, God, I never knew what that guy was going to say." Like he was just so he, he would just be crazy sometimes out there. As soon as the camera light came on. But when we were talking, he kind of said the same thing, but it was kind of like, "You know, I never knew what you were going to say." And just kind of laughing about it. And I don't know if, you know, maybe some time has gone by. Uh, now, I was incredibly immature back then. And and I kind of got off. We, we were kind of laughing about the fact that, you know, I was supposed to go out and apologize after I'd kicked Lawler in the head and kind of begged for my job back. Uh, but instead, you know, I just went out there and <laughs> I just cut a, just the Hill promo uh, that I'd been dreaming of my entire life, you know, because I figured, hey, what's the worst they can do, you know? Um, and and uh, he thought that that was really funny. Um, and we talked, uh, we, man, we talked about just, we talked about Joe LaDuke and, you know, he, he loves telling the story that Joe LaDuke came off as this crazy maniac, but yet every year, no matter where Joe LaDuke was currently wrestling, he would always get a Christmas card up until the day he died. Wow. You know, it's just, yeah, just, just some interesting insight into, uh, to some of the boys and how Jimmy Valiant would just be so low key and not say a word to anybody. And then as soon as that camera light hit, man, he would burst through that curtain and just be on fire. He was like complete, two completely different people. Uh, but yeah, we had a great time swapping stories and, uh, and talking about the good old days, really. Well, you know, Scott, with the uh, recent passing of Lance Russell, so many articles and videos have been done. So many tributes have been posted featuring some of the classic moments with Lance, with old Banana Nose. And of course, Dave is there. What made Dave click so well with Lance, in your opinion? Well, I, I mean, I, you know, Dave's really underrated uh, on, a, on a national level. I'm aware that he was on the Wrestling Observer ballot. Um, I, I don't even know if I don't I don't necessarily see him getting in. I, I certainly voted for him. Um, I just think that that Dave was so um, understated and subtle and classy, and he was just kind of cool and collected. Whereas, you know, Lance would often get riled up and indignant over rule breakers and 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 attitudes, and whereas Dave would just sort of you know shake his head and act disgusted and roll his eyes. He'd just be a little more subtle about it. Um, and he, as the number one weatherman in the city, he brought credibility to the show. Well, you brought up how he brought class to everything he was doing, and nothing says class quite like an impromptu watermelon party with Jerry the King Lawler, Sam Bass, and Plowboy Frazier. <laughs> Here he comes, Jerry the King Lawler, manager Sam Bass, and they've got their new partner with them, Plowboy Frazier. Jerry, Sam. How you doing today, Dave? Well, I'm doing all right so far. This 
I want you to realize that this is one of the premier days in my career so far. Do you realize what is about to happen today? No. Have you told the people about what kind of match I'm fixing to be in? You're going to be in a championship match against Tommy Rich. After last week... Wait a minute, Frazier. Oh, oh okay. Oh. Don't mind him. Don't mind him. After all the little things, after all the trinkets and things that I bought him and all the favors I've done for him, he he's asked me time and time again if there isn't something he could do for me. And this, Thank you. Thank you, Frazier. Thank you very much. And uh, to him, this is... This is... Uh, let me cut it in two. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And you better eat it because to him this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just, you know, okay. make it. Speak, let's talk about the trash now, ain't we, baby? You're looking at the garbage, man. We're going to eliminate the trash in professional wrestling. There's a lot of trash running around here like Big John, Bearcat Brown, things like that. And Mikulochik's fast falling right into the category of trash. And garbage men eliminate trash, and that's what we're going to do. You know, you remember a few years ago when you had a little trash problem down in Philadelphia, Mississippi? Yeah, I remember. What'd you do to it? Well, I got my bulldozer, and I put them underneath that pond down there in Philadelphia, down in Osceola County. We're going to eliminate the trash in professional wrestling. And you're looking right now, ladies and gentlemen, at your new Southern heavyweight champion. Now, wait a minute. Before we leave, Dave, let's see you take a bite of that watermelon. Just, I'm not sure. I... Go ahead, Dave. And I want to say before we... How is the watermelon? It's great, isn't it, baby? I don't trust it, but it's pretty. Boy, Dave looked a little nervous there, taking a bite of that watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, I love his, uh, I love his remark too. When Lawler comes out and he goes, "How you doing today, Dave?" And Dave goes, "Doing pretty good so far." <laughs> but uh, you know, he just had a sinking feeling that his day could change for the worse uh, at any moment with uh, with those three out there. But uh, you know, and another thing too, Memphis, it, they had such crazy characters and gimmick matches, and uh, so he just he provided this kind of sane sense of legitimacy to to the Memphis mayhem unfolding uh, before his baby blue eyes every week. And that had to be a challenge to to maintain that sense of dignity when uh, Batman, Adam West, suddenly showed up searching for the penguin on an episode of Memphis Wrestling in 1976, where he encountered the Super King. That you couldn't go on this way forever. That uh, wanted me to change of, my ways. Wanted you to change your ways. These sort of tactics just couldn't prevail from uh, from then on. And I remember one of those visitors, a very special one from Gotham City, who we'll meet in just a moment. Uh, you're going to be in town all this weekend, is that correct? Yes, I am, and thank you very much. I must apologize. I didn't have a ticket. Uh, kids, don't do as I just did. I sneaked in <laughs> because I'm on a case. And I'm working undercover. That's why I'm not wearing my complete outfit. Right. I, I wanted to be inconspicuous. I didn't want anyone to recognize me. But there is a rumor that Mr. Freeze and Penguin are here in Memphis because of the radical change in the weather and that they have a hookup, a hookup with the evil king of Memphis mm. who just might be wrestling here this morning. Wait a do, you, do you know who this is? Is that who I think it is? 
Yes, it is. What What is this? Well, what does it look like? Tell me, what does it look like? I heard he was going to be here today, so I dressed appropriately. That's what it is, the Super King. What else? Okay, you say maybe you're going to be able to give us some help uh, with this guy here. You're, you're on the case, and I think we're going to need all the help we can get with, with uh, the King. Well, now, he, you know, I, I've heard he's had his troubles with the Joker and the Penguin and Mr. Freeze, but he hadn't handled the King yet. And I got somebody in a box that I'm going to bring out here in just a few minutes that'll make the Joker, make a Joker look like Mickey Mouse, I can tell you that. I've heard about your box, but I want to say that that costume that you're wearing, if you are indeed the evil king of Memphis, has been stolen from a friend of mine, Soup. <laughs> Superman. I call him Soup. Right. And I think that Spider-Man, Spidey Baby, would probably object to... By the way, looking at you, I don't think it's too late for you. I think it possibly, if you change some of your habits, some of your methods of wrestling, if you used your left and right turn indicator in your car, <laughs> did other things that people normally do when they're polite and courteous and you weren't such a naughty, mean person, it wouldn't be too late for you. And I can see that you're not familiar with these rednecks that we have around here. Rednecks. That's exactly right. That's right. I tell you what, gentlemen, they I think like splendid people to me, and they're bat fans. I know they are. And I think it's insulting to call them rednecks. I, I think maybe we uh, we better settle this elsewhere. And uh, again, uh, both of you are going to be Dr. at the... i to get Frank in here anyway. Both of you are going to be down at the Cook Convention Center at the uh, car show all this, this weekend. Yeah. And uh, maybe you can settle it there. Badman, appreciate you coming by. And, uh, Thank you very much. He's not a nice with a, with a man here. No, he is not. Uh, he has some, some nasty habits, as you say, and maybe he'll change some yes, of them. I, I Really, I feel that uh, it's possible that uh, we could help rehabilitate him, possibly in Gotham State Prison. I was talking with Dave about that, and he and he's just he's amazed that that clip has you know reached the the four corners of the world. I mean, uh, I think the Washington Post had it on their front page. Uh, people uh, call from all over the world, like, asking him questions about it. Um, he never dreamed that that clip would ever be run again. And that's, you know, we got into that whole discussion too about, man, the decision to tape over the shows. And, you know, he was trying to explain to me, you know, the, these reels were really big and heavy and they were expensive. Um, and actually, and I think it was uh, Lance Russell's decision at, at WHBQ as the program director to tape over them. And, you know, humbly, almost humbly saying, we never dreamed that anybody would ever want to watch this stuff again. Uh, little did they know. And Jerry Jarrett has said the same thing, man. If he could do it all over again, that's the one thing he would change because he probably would have doubled the amount of money that he made in the business. And Lance provided that that contrast. You know, you don't want two guys uh, exactly the same, although they did kind of come off as buddies and friends. Um, they were like two guys, you know, coming into your living room every week and watching the matches with you and just kind of hanging out. Uh, Russell had his homespun witticisms and observations. Uh, Brown, a lot more straightforward and serious. But he still managed to slyly slip in a, a quip or two uh, without making a joke of the sport. 
Um, and and again, it sounds it sounds kind of silly to, to keep going back to this eye roll thing or or this this kind of deadpan uh, look that that Johnny Carson of Jack Carr would do. But Lance and Dave both could do it. But Dave was just a little bit more subtle, while Lance was a, was a little bit you know he would project a little bit more. But together it worked. And and most importantly, I think the key to their success is they believed in the product. They were told by Jerry Jarrett to, you know, don't ever, you know, feel like you have to be excited over something. You know, if if we're putting on if it's a great show, react that way. If it's not, don't, because you'll ruin your credibility. Otherwise, if the fans sense that you're not being sincere and by doing so, Russell and Brown made the impossible believable every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Central in Memphis. You know, I think uh, it was interesting as much as I hated to see Lance go, and uh, it always felt sort of like a letdown when Lance was on vacation because Lance just had that cheery greeting, yellow again, everybody. But Brown was able to shine a little bit more when, when Lance was away uh, fishing and hunting. He showed that he could play the straight man to a heel king nearly as effective as his counterpart, which uh, Dave shows here in this clip from December 1980 with the CWA World Heavyweight Champion, Jerry Lawler. Going against Ken Lucas. This, uh, in a way, is a rematch. These guys have scuffled before. And uh, I think we had the results for you last week here, and uh, you saw that. Here is Lawler with uh, Jimmy Hart and the CWA World Championship belt with him. Jerry, you got uh, you got Ken Lucas coming up uh, again Christmas night. Well, you're right. I got Ken Lucas coming up again. Now, I don't know what it is about Ken Lucas. I don't know if it's the fact that, uh, you know, he's new in the area or what it is, but the guy has suddenly got an extreme case of the big head. And I want to tell you why he's got it. He's got it because of people like you, Dave, and he's got it because of people like these idiots out here who think that Ken Lucas is really something. And now everywhere he's ever wrestled all his life, he has been a bum. I mean an absolute bum. He's a nobody. Nobody had ever heard of him. I would certainly never heard of him before he came in here. Now, he comes in here, and all of the people think he's really hot stuff. So when Ken Lucas hears everybody cheering for him, he gets to thinking he's hot stuff. You've had your problems with him recently, though. What do you mean I've had my problems with well, him? Well, I mean, Ken, we, we saw the results last week. Okay, all right. Face and all of that. Well, he, he, and then last week he won the match, right? But see, here's, I, I know that's what you're thinking, but here's the difference. There's two things in wrestling. You can either win the match or you can beat your opponent. Now, to me, beating your opponent is more important than winning the match. Now, that's what happened last week. He won the match. Oh, he got a three count, but I beat him like a dog. I beat him so bad that he don't want any more. To, he don't want I, no more. I tell you what, we just happen to have uh, have a videotape of that match. And if you don't mind, why don't you wait just a minute, stand here? Wait let's, a minute. Let's Before, take a look. Wait a minute. At... No, wait. Before we take a look at it, let me explain something to you first. Let me tell you something. Now, as long as you're going to try to pull these little tricks out of the bag and run a tape no in trick. here, We've got let me just tape. tell the people, let me give them a little background on this tape. You know, last week, like I said, Ken Lucas is an absolute nobody. I, w I could beat him 10 times in 10 minutes, and I knew this. So what I was doing before the match, I was sitting around relaxing, Jimmy and I watching a little TV in the dressing room, and I was eating a box of popcorn, okay? Now, I happen to have, I know this has happened to you, Dave. I happened to get a little piece of popcorn 
underneath one of my teeth, between between my teeth. You understand? I, I hear now, you. Now, that was bothering me all night long. Now, you can go ahead and roll the film, but I want you to know that's what I had on my mind, and it distracted me all night long. Now, look. Let's, can let's can I watch a film? Keep my microphone on, okay? Yeah, yeah, just, just watch this. Okay, now look, first of all, let me tell you, here's where everybody thinks Ken Lucas is really something. This guy couldn't break an egg with a hammer. Look at those punches. Uh -huh. You see that? Now let me tell you something else about my tactics. I've told you about how I beat my opponents in the ring. I let them build their confidence. I, I, I lull them into a false sense of security. What I am doing right now is making Ken Lucas think that he has got the upper hand. Look at me, I ought to be in Hollywood. He ain't hurting me. He ain't hurting me a bit, and I'm just letting him pound there because, like I said, he could hit me all night and never make a dent, baby. He can't break an egg. He is a punk. He is a nobody. He's a clown. He shouldn't even be in the wrestling business. He saw, look at him right there. He saw he couldn't hurt me by beating on me, so he's starting to bite me like a little girl. Now, is that some wrestler? Look at him. This is disgusting. And you people sit out there and try to make the guy think he's really something. He is actually biting me on the face. Now, what is wrong with a guy like that? Now, look at you, Dave. you got that funny little smirk on your face now. You realize that he... Had, now, look. Look at that. Yeah, yeah this is trick right photography. Hand. We already right. saw that once. What are they doing? They've spliced the film together and they're showing the thing, same thing over and over. Look at this. No, he just threw a lot of right punches and connected with yeah, him. Yeah, and I just happened. threw him down on his face, too, didn't I? Right now, look here. I'm looking for a toothpick to get that popcorn out. And I can't find it. So I'm saying, Jimmy, you got a toothpick? He said, no, but why don't you run Lucas's head into the chair while we got a minute? So now look at Ken Lucas. What a dirty dog. Can you see that? It sure did. He actually used there a foreign object like a chair. Okay, he got the three count. Yeah, but who deal. was holding the foreign object? Look, what I said a while ago, you got two situations. You can either win the match or you can beat your opponent. Now, he won the match, so I'm fixing to beat my opponent right here. I am fixing to do a number on this guy because I've been letting him get away with something here. I'm fixing to do a number on him. I'm fixing to beat him so bad. See, there's where he made his mistake right there. Greeting for Jimmy he jumped Hart. on Jimmy Hart. Well, he shouldn't have done that because here comes the king, baby. I'm fixing to cut his lights out right now. I'm going to beat him so bad that they're going to have to empty the dressing room. They're going to have to send some wrestlers in to try to help this man. Now, you watch. Here I come. Get ready, Ken Lucas. That's right. Put out the lights. It's all over for him right now. This is what you call beating your opponent. This is why I say Ken Lucas is a nobody. He is a nothing. He is not in the same league or the category as a king. And they realize this. Now, the promoter, Jerry Jarrett, is standing in the back right now, and he's seeing, uh-oh, here's Ken Lucas. He's the newest wrestler I got around here, and Lawler's fixing to kill him. So I better send somebody out there to save him. So what does he do? He sends him jerks the Gibsons out here in just a minute. Now, look at, look at Lucas rolling around on the mat. He is screaming. I wish I had a microphone in the ring because right now he's crying. He's begging the referee, please get Mr. Lawler off of me before he kills me. Look at him. They point out it's two against one here. The oh, match is over. Two against one. You think Jimmy Hart going to hurt somebody? What's the matter with you, man? There's the Gibsons coming in to save him. Now, who is left laying on the mat? You will never see the king left laying like that. That's what I'm telling you. This guy is a nobody. He is a nothing. And do you realize they even had the audacity to want me to put up a make it a world title match with this guy Christmas night. It's not going to be a world title match because he does not deserve a shot at the belt. He is not a world-class wrestler. He is not a contender. He is a nobody. They wanted me to put the belt up to make the people think he's somebody, but I'm sorry. He's not. 
Well, in spite of that, he's got the victory. Maybe he does deserve a shot How at the belt. How can he have the audacity to claim a victory when you people just saw it right there on your TVs? The film don't lie. He was left laying in the middle of the ring, and they had to come out and save him. But Would he, you call that the victor? But he won the match. His hand was raised in the Big match. Big deal. And you have to Big do deal. He is a joke. He don't belong in matches with me, much less championship match. He don't even belong in the ring with me. Beatnik, I got now they booked him against me again, and he don't deserve a shot with me. I'll beat him, and it'll take me about five minutes to dispose of this guy. I'm not gonna do what I did last week. I'm not gonna let the guy think he's got the upper hand any during the match. I'm just gonna beat him right in the middle okay. of the match. Okay, okay, that's it. Then I, it will be a non-title match, right? That's exactly right. Okay, non-title match. Non match. It'll be Lawler <laughs> against Ken Lucas. And again, you know, a big part of it, like, as I mentioned before, the fact that they came off like buddies, that, that, that was actually true. You know, Lance was very instrumental in getting Dave in front of the camera. He was like, you're, you're too good looking to, to be on the radio, man. We need, we need to get you in front of a camera. So, you know, he started him in weather, uh, WHBQ, and, and then approached him about wrestling. And Dave goes, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see my future, you know, being in television, and, and, and I'm, I think this might hurt me. And Lance goes, doing wrestling will teach you more about television than any other gig around. And Dave is thrilled that he actually took that advice. But, you know, all good things must come to an end. Uh, I'll never forget that day in 1989 when Solemn Dave Brown greeted the viewing audience with the news that Lance had taken a job with WCW. Now, of course, I was a smart fan subscribing to the Wrestling Observer since I was a sophomore in high school. So I already knew this, but it didn't make it any easier when the show started. And actually, I think Lance was originally supposed to appear that day. And I believe the call was made. You know, it's, it all comes down to selling that show on Monday night um, when Eddie Gilbert passed away. You know, they did a three-minute video clip, and he was not mentioned for the rest of the show. Bottom line is, they got a show to sell. And so they, Dave gave, they gave Dave a few minutes, uh, and it was very effective, very, very much so from the heart. And then uh, the day got a little bleaker when his new sidekick showed up at the very end. Hello, everybody. I'm Dave Brown here at ringside, ready to go with another day of championship wrestling action. Boy, today we got a six-man tag team match that won't quit for the expiration of time match today. We'll also see the Mason-Dixon connection in here in a tag team match. Jeff Jarrett will be here, too. And a new tag team that I think you will find most interesting to watch. They're called the Wrestling Machines. We'll have more to say about them a little bit later on. We are uh, going to get underway here very shortly, but I do want to take just a moment of time to say something uh, about someone who's very special to me, who spent many, many years sitting right here in this chair. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Lance Russell. Lance, as uh, many of you may know, has accepted another job. Now, Lance and I have worked in the same building for 25 years. We've shared this desk for 22 years, so it's going to take some getting used to sitting here and uh, not having Lance sitting beside us. Lance, to me, personally, has been uh, everything from an acquaintance to a co-worker to a boss to a teacher. He's responsible for much of the success that I've been able to enjoy in this television business. And he's also, perhaps more importantly, a friend, and will continue to be a friend. He's also a great friend to championship wrestling fans. Lance had planned to be here today, but he started his uh, new job early. And Lance, you know I wish you happiness, and I'm sure all the fans all around the territory Wish you the very, very best. We'll be back in this morning.
Well, we got a couple of guys in the ring right now as we're set to go with championship wrestling action. Got a great day today. Wrestling Machines, a new tag team that we'll be looking at today with a tremendous background in, in wrestling. I'm sorry I'm late. My late? It's been delayed. I've been circling the tower for about 30 minutes. You know how it is here in this who airport. Are, who are you and what are you doing who here? Who am I? I'm Ronnie P. Gossett IV. Who are you? You must be Dave Brown. I am Dave You're Brown. You're my assistant, my sidekick. Sidekick? Sidekick. That's right. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about here, but I appreciate it. Take your briefcase and your suitcase and just get out of here. Well, can you move down for me? What I'm is it? not this? moving down. No, we've well, we got a show to do here. I guess I'll have to what? get in here myself. Who, what's your name again? I'm Ronnie P. Gossett IV. Where have you been all your I've life? I've been right here, for heaven's sakes, doing championship wrestling for 22 years. We've got a match here, if you don't mind. It was it was kind of cool, though, to see Dave take over the host chair, uh, especially at a time when Lawler turned heel in an effort to spark attendance. I mean, this was like a last-ditch effort because the crowds were really starting to dwindle. And Brown looked a little, little uncomfortable in the early going, uh, mostly because of some of the controversial comments from the King regarding longtime African-American mid-carder King Cobra, who, by the way, is one of the nicest guys in the profession that, that you'll ever meet. And, and uh, I was really, I was, I was tickled that, that he actually got a run with the unified world heavyweight championship but for him to say hey man I, I was a world champion i think that's pretty cool and i think lawler and cobra actually really liked each other but man oh man the king was vicious in these promos and uh brown didn't seem to uh appreciate lawler's sense of humor <laughs> you can hide for that 30 days but brother when the 29th day come you just look out your door and watch i'm gonna be standing right there waiting on you Hey, I said it. I'm standing right here. I said it when you're sitting there. I'm saying, hey, I'm surprised. You've made up enough nerve, got enough nerve to walk out and around and come over here. Oh, I got plenty of nerve when yeah. it comes to you, Cobra. Yeah, as long as you, you got can that stand there, you might say you can tell me something. Well, you can't tell me nothing. You might ask me something, but you can't tell me nothing. All these people out here know that you're a coward, Lola. Oh, is that if right? If you wasn't a coward, I would have a match against you Monday night. But no, you're going to use a guy like Soul Taker to stick him out there. Hey, what's wrong? You can't fight your own battle? You want to put him against your opponents to kind of talk him up for you? Hey, are you hey, just go ahead and admit you're scared. Let me say, let me tell you what it is. You are not a title contender. Do you understand it? You are not a title contender. I am the former world champion. That make me a contender right there. Hey, I want it. You know I want it. And hey, you're the man that I want it from. So you know better than anybody. I am championship contender. Hey, read my lips. You are not a title contender. Okay, read my lips on it. You are not a title contender. Okay, I read your lips, bro. Let me tell you something. Look, you read my lips. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I'll read your lips. That bottom one says inflate to 20 pounds. <laughs> what about that? I'm going to get the shot at you, brother, and I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of the stuff you're putting out. Look, if I'm going to wait, I'm walking through the soul taker, I'm going to get a shot at him. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get a shot at you, brother, and I'm tired of fooling you today. Thank you. All right, Cobra. Don't... Cobra you want a shot? You just got your shot, punk. Come out here and insult him and then throw a chair at him. Can we get somebody we get out, some here. Help out here? Get a yeah, garbage man out here and drag this trash out of here. You stay back and let's see if we can get somebody to help him out. Yeah. Here comes Eddie Dundee, yeah, the champion. We'll take a break. Drag you stay back away from it.
Now, Brown's comedic timing was a lot more evident when he was stuck in the middle of Lawler and his royal servant, Nate the Rat, a kind of a, a part-time manager, taxi driver. And again, Nate is one of those guys. He's just a fan of the business, just loved being a part of it. All around nice guy. Not necessarily the best promo in the, in the world, but... Uh, Kind of had an odd charm about him as a as a misfit in the wrestling business, which I know is uh, sort of redundant. But uh, but I love Brown's uh, reaction as Lawler bosses his servant around. Box office will be open this afternoon, so you can pick up advance tickets and look at the folks that are going to be there. The King Jerry Lawler, Terry Von Eric. Cobra, Chris Champion, Dutch Mantel, it's all tonight. Eddie Marlowe? Done it all, Dave. That's what I come out here to do, to tell the people in the Jonesboro area, this is the biggest card we've ever had over here, I imagine. The first time the Rockers have ever been there. Jerry the King Lawler will face the modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Eric. The box office will be open at 3 o'clock. Anybody want to come get the tickets? Maybe they'll get to see Mr. Lawler go down tonight. Hey, that's oh, I'd true. make you real happy, wouldn't it, Hey, why don't you put your false teeth in backwards and eat yourself to death? Sorry, Eddie. Tonight, right. You have to step in there and face the modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Erich. Well, I don't love to face him, but uh, believe me, uh, I'd like to slap his face. Have you ever seen his face? It deserved to be slapped. As you can see, I hold in my hot little hand right here a brand-new cassette that is out. Can you see what that is? Yeah, it says Jerry Lawler sings a whole bunch of songs. It says, wait, yeah, it says Jerry Lawler sings and what? A whole bunch of songs. That's right. That's, what is wrong with that? Truth in advertising, I guess. Well, that's right. It is exactly what it is. It's a lot of good songs. I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, you, you heard about the big radio contest that we had, that I had with George Klein, you know, the old George, the jeeker in your speaker and all that. Boy, I heard part of that this week on the radio, too, and I'd like to uh, extend my sympathy to George Klein and thank him for having to put hey, up with it. that was great. I did George Klein's show, and as a matter of fact, on uh, it's on, uh, what, 56 a.m. I know what I know why you only heard part of it. You didn't know you could listen to AM radio in the afternoon, did you? <laughs> get it? AM radio? I get it. Anyway, hey, 56 on uh, AM. I'm going to do a show again Monday from 2 to 6, and, and I'm going to be playing a lot of my songs so the people can hear them. This new cassette is out. I'm going to be playing a lot of my songs on there. Boy. The real king is right here. Yeah, and one other thing I want to mention, next Saturday, next Saturday, a week from today, down in... Uh, Oxford, Mississippi. That's a college town. I know you've never been near there, though. Oxford, Mississippi. The King is going to be there live and in person at Take Two Videos, which is a 1518 West Jackson uh, Street there in Oxford. And I'm going to be making a personal appearance down there at 2 o'clock next Saturday. Take Two Videos in Oxford, Mississippi. All right. May we move on? Before we move on, I'll tell you what. Before we move on, I want to ask you one more question, right? Okay. Are you hungry? No, I'm not hungry. Not at all? No. Not, not my lunchtime. Yet. I'm hungry. Sorry. Can we, can you, can we get some? I'm gonna, I was gonna send Nate out like for some burgers or something like that. Would you want, you want some? <laughs> no, no. Thank hey, you look, for asking. Right, thank you for asking. Look, look, but look, no, look. I don't want it. Look, no. the only time this guy will pick up a check is if it's made out to him. But uh, I'll, I'll buy. I'll buy. No, uh, I don't, don't want any burgers. No, thank you very much. Nate, bro. sir, you know where, you know where McDonald's is right down the yes, street. Sir. Uh, give me. Would you run down there? And give me a Big Mac and two fries and a large coke. Yes. Sir. On my way. Okay. I love Nate. You're all right, mother. There he goes. Headed on his merry way. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what. 
Let's, uh, oh, I need to interview the stud stable. Here they come right here. So I can only imagine Nate actually running over to McDonald's wearing that getup because there actually was a McDonald's right across the street on Union Avenue. And that probably was a shoot. I mean, he probably didn't get it beforehand. He probably went right over there and got it and came back. Uh, unfortunately, his timing was a little bit off. Uh, Kerry Von Eric uh, somehow found the studio. <laughs> making his lone appearance. Uh, he looked pretty stoned. And dumped a bucket of water on the king, courtesy of handsome Jimmy Valiant, just as Nate reappeared for McDonald's with the king's order. This did not go well. Through the curtains right here. Gary. First of all, Jerry, uh, quit shaking. Don't be all nervous, because I'm not out here to beat you up. I'm here as a messenger boy. From handsome, boogie-woogie man, Jimmy Valiant, and I have a present for you. Hey, I'll tell you what, uh, brain damage, the camera's over there if you want to turn around and look at it. You don't have to You don't have to keep your eye on me. I ain't going to jump on you from behind. Don't worry about that. I'll I'm not like you. Boy. I'm not a backfighter. Right here. You're going to be touched. Boogie-woogie man has sent you a present. I'll go get it. A hey, present. Uh, hey. A yeah. present from handsome yeah, Jimmy you Valiant. Yeah, well, I guarantee you, he wants to make up with me. That's the right. That's exactly right. He should be sending me a present. He, handsome Jimmy should be here in person to apologize for even asking to take my title. Well, you know, you've said you'll defend it against uh, against anybody who comes in here. Maybe Jimmy figures, okay, he should yeah, have a I'm shot at the title. I'm these jerks like Kerry Von Erich or somebody like that. But get handsome Jimmy on the telephone right now, and I guarantee you, I don't right. know what he sent me, but I guarantee you he'll apologize. And what he's probably wanting to do is come in here and be my partner. Probably wants to change the card. Well, well, we'll see. As a matter of fact, I will call handsome Jimmy. Let's wait and see what the president I is. Uh, when Kerry, and, and then we'll then we'll call him right after that. Do you, do, you, do you not know, know his number? Or I know his gonna, number. As a matter of fact, I will I, call him right. Here's the president right here. Let's see what, uh, what president handsome Jimmy Bring has sent you. Me. And then we're going to give him a call, and we're going to find out what he has to say. Kerry Von Erich with the present from handsome Jimmy Valiant it's to flowers. the king. Well, again, this is from Jimmy. Oh, oh my goodness. Happy birthday. Lawler doused with a bucket of water all wrapped up. That's it. That's it, as a matter of fact. Get him on the phone! Uh, you've got an interview scheduled. Do you want to call Valiant or do you want you want to do your interview right here? While you're while you're soaking wet. All right, let's 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 do that, as a matter of fact. Let me make sure I've got stuff all plugged in here. Some of this kind of got pulled a few minutes ago when uh, Stud Stable was out here. Well. Can we? I'm not hearing it on the air. We, I tell you what, let's not take time to fool with it. Let me just go ahead and call Jimmy here and see what... We still don't have it on the air. Let me just make the call here. All right. And I took you to Japan, and I won tag team championships with you. And now, Bayet, you want to come here and try to take the world title from me? And above all of that, you want to have an idiot brain damaged hair rain like Kerry Von Eric come out here and do your dirty work for you? You want to try to embarrass me and humiliate me in my town? 
Well, Jimmy Valiant, I promise you, well, you can throw friendship out the window, brother, because you are on the top of my list of people that I hate. If hate was written on every grain of sand in the desert, it wouldn't compare to hate I got for you, Valiant. Say something, Valiant. Do you hear what I'm saying? Valiant! He hung up on me like you had never had done to you in your life. Oh, boy. Nate, your timing is horrible. Oh, my goodness. You come here and you don't see me. Nate got here with a Big Mac and fry at the wrong time. Now, this, of course, put the king in a foul mood for the next couple of weeks and, and made for some really kind of entertaining tense moments between Jerry and Dave. But, uh, you know, maybe Nate could be like a court jester and, and help the king turn that frown upside down. Or maybe not. All right, we're back here with the uh, the new set ordered by uh, Jerry Lawler. Oh my goodness! Here comes Nathaniel back again, and uh, this this is your plan to cheer uh, to cheer Lawler up and get him out of this bad That's mood. Right. When when the king's in a bad mood, Paula always sends me out to Barksdale's down there and get Jerry a glass of milk and a chocolate pie. I'll cut y'all a piece. You want a piece, Dave? Uh, no, I don't think so. I gotta wait for lunch. Uh, cup of milk here. That pie does kind of look good, as a matter of fact. Is that chocolate? Right from Barksdale. Come right out of the oven. Well, you're making a mess of it, but at least it's, I guess it's going to taste good there. All right. Nathaniel Whitlock, back from a trip to, uh, to come in with this chocolate pie to cheer up. Well, you can see what kind of mood he's in just by looking right there, no doubt about it. Well, all right, we'll see. Always sends me out. Get chocolate pie, oh. milk. King's always in a better mood after that. Okay. And uh, let's let's. I I hope this works. I tell you. Uh, Is that it? That's it, King. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Nate. You got. Uh, you got me a chocolate pie, and you got Dave a piece, and you got me a piece. It's good, too. But I want to tell you this, Nate. I don't appreciate you talking about my personal life out here on television, okay? That's, look, that, that's the first thing. What I do at home is my business and nobody else's, okay? Now, the second thing I want to tell you is this, Nate. Whenever I want something, no matter what it is, if it's pie... If it's milk, if it's a hamburger, whatever it is, I'll ask for it. But I didn't ask for this pie. Did I ask for it, Nate? No. You went and got this pie, right? Yeah, I figured it. You well, I, no, 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 don't. See, your, your job, Nate, is not to figure. Your job is just to do exactly what I say. So what I figure is that since you went and got this pie, you must want this pie. No. No, yeah. I think Nate I think Nate that probably you are the one that wants this chocolate pie. Is that right, Nate? Huh? Are you the one that wants it? 
And you know what? Dave didn't ask for any pie. So you must want his piece too. Is that right, Nate? Huh? Is that what you want? And you know what, Nate? Just to tell you the truth, I didn't ask for any pie at all. So you must want the whole pie. Do you want it, Nate? Huh? And you know what else? I didn't ask for any milk, Nate. So there's just some milk too. Now let me tell you something. From now on, punk, when I want something, I'll ask for it. And you don't give me nothing until I ask for it. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I'm telling you? I'm in a better mood, though. I'm in a better mood now. I guess so. You destroyed the studio again. You look real good, Nate. And you made me happy, okay? I'm in a good mood now. Let, let everybody know what a good mood you put me in, Nate. What are you doing? I'm quitting. That's what I'm doing. I'm quitting. Huh? I quit. No, wait. Ho, ho, ho. Don't take that stuff off, Nate. What do you mean you're quitting? What are you quitting for, huh? What's the problem? Lola, last week you hit me with that dead gun hamburger and you tried to humiliate me. <laughs> I went home and my mama told me I didn't have to be your stooge and I wasn't raised to be your dead gun stooge. Is that right? And I quit. No, hold on, hold on. Let me just say this. First of all, what you're going to do is you're going to go get a mop, and you're going to clean all of this up. And after you clean all of this mess up, Nate, then you're not going to quit because you're fired. Do you understand that? You are fired up through with you. Understand that, Nate? Huh? Do you understand what I'm... Oh. something, Nate. I just told you you're fired, and you are fired, but I'm fixing to do to you, Nate, what a lot of the bosses around this country would like to do to people after they fire them, but they just don't have the guts to. You know what that is? What? That's this, Nate. Uh, come on, uh, beating up on Nathaniel Whitlock. I... Put in this horrible mood all day, come out of throwing the pie... Nate's just trying to help, for heaven's sake. And I love how Dave, uh, and it really, again, it came off heartfelt. Like, he just hated seeing this. Like, he he was actually cringing because he could envision Nate the Rat's mother, who was, I think, actually a big wrestling fan, watching the show and seeing her son being humiliated by the king. And he's like, oh, gosh, Nate's just trying to help for crying out loud. <laughs> This, of course, is going to lead to a series of pie fights over the next few weeks. Oh, my gosh. Memphis was such a crazy wrestling show. But the king was armed and ready. Should Nate try to retaliate? Much to the chagrin of Dave Brown. Now let's talk about this right here, Dave. Let's get that out of here. Huh? Let's, let's do that. Uh-uh. What? Hey. I'll tell you what. This is not what you think it is, Dave. This is a this is a defensive pie. You know a, what I mean by that? A defensive a pie. A defensive pie. Have you ever heard of a have you ever heard of an anti-missile missile? Yeah. Well, this is an anti-pie pie. Now what I mean by that is I know that this slime ball Nate the Rat has been bringing pies out here every week and I figured he might have one today. So what I've got is this is not a first strike pie. See, this is a this is a retaliatory pie. If somebody wants to bring a pie out here and get it in their mind, they're going to throw it in my face. 
This could be a little deterrent. This could be the method that will keep them from throwing a pie in my face. Let's just make sure it's a defensive weapon. I told Nate not to bring any pies out here, and that goes for you, too. Look, this right here is old pie face himself, Eddie Marlin. Now, that, that look, look at his face. Look at his face. He got the he had the name Pie Face a long time before he got a long time before he got hit with a pie. You know what happened to him about about 15 years ago up in Nashville? Eddie was driving his car and he was driving it down the street and he stopped at a red light and there was a pie truck in front of him, parked right in front of him at the red light. Well, I guess the guy wasn't paying attention out in the truck and instead of having his truck in gear, he had it in reverse. And when the light turned green, the guy stepped on the gas and he backed up into Eddie's car and all of the pies fell out all over the hood, all over Eddie's car and everywhere. And the guy jumped down. He said, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And he started picking the pies up and he got them all off Eddie's car. And he reached and he got Eddie by the face. <laughs> and Eddie said, hey, that ain't no pie. That's my face. That's so very funny, Lola. Very funny. You forget this is a wrestling this is not a late-night comic show, and what I said about the pie, it will be no more pie sold out here. I didn't if you're going to sit out here, you'll show this man some respect. It's a wrestling program, and we're going to keep it there. You know, you're just upset because you got hit with a pie, and I didn't have anything to do with that. Ronnie Gossett, Ronnie Gossett hit yeah. you with that pie. Yeah, not Ronnie, me. And who else? Ronnie Gossett, that's all. Speak of Ronnie Gossett. You can get right back down. You, you know, Eddie Marlin, you didn't look too bad, you old fossil, till that pie begin to wear off that ugly mug of yours. <laughs> I told you, Ronnie Gossett, it would be no more pie throwing out here, but I'll make one exception and let you get the pie, young man. Let me tell you something, Eddie Marlin, in a nice way. You get in my way and there'll be more than a pie hits that face. I'll hit you so hard that pacemaker will fly out your head. Hey, you want to hit somebody, you get this wonder. You hit the king here. I'll hit you now. Hey, you had as much to do with hitting me with that pie as he did. No, I didn't. And you ain't got... Yeah, you're right. You know better than to throw a pie in my, my face. Now what? You ain't going to hit me with no pie. You ain't going to hit me with no pie while I'm doing Got the pie in the face. Lawler tucks out of the way. There goes Eddie. Well, he did it. Uh, Lee and Mippus, can they get away with pie fights on <laughs> live television? I'm so, I, I, you know what? The, the only thing that's curious about is that they didn't do more of it. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So... Eventually, you know, when I got my big break, and God knows we've gone on and on about how I got into the business, uh, I was trying to think of a gimmick, you know, like Cornet's phone or Polly's racket. So I decided to call my Uncle Bobby at Florida State to see if he could help out. And I was met with uh, a lot of skepticism from Dave, and it really, really disappointed me. This is actually one of the first interviews I did with Dave, and I don't really appreciate the way he treated me. It's been a couple of weeks that we're really excited about, Dave. Later on, you have some more information, and we're really looking forward to that, but the USWA heavyweight title is held up. Well, Gilbert has been stripped of the title, failure to defend within the specified amount of time. Scott Bowden. What? Hey, Gumby, what are you talking about holding the title up? That title belongs to Doug Gilbert, and you know it. 
I'm not even going to argue with you. The title is held up. A tournament will take place. Hey, give me the belt right now, Gumby. Hey, don't walk away from me when I'm talking to you, boy. Boy, I hate that stinking redneck. It's terrible when a redneck like that gets a little power because he always abuses it, doesn't he, Dave Brown? Well, he's enforcing the rules. Well, I'm not going to be responsible for my actions or Doug Gilbert's actions from here on out. Let me tell you that until we get that belt back around our waist. Well, okay. You, you're not going to be responsible for your actions or Doug Gilbert's actions. Sounds like a like a pretty tough threat to me. Well, hey, take it to the bank, baby. That belt's going to be right where it belongs for too long. But now, I got something else I want to talk about. You know, Dave, things haven't been exactly going Scott Bowden's way here lately in the USWA. That's true. My men have suffered some of the biggest losses in their careers these past few weeks. And I was sitting at home this past week. Licking my wounds. I've been taking a lot of shots to the head here lately. And I contemplated, I was contemplating getting out of the wrestling profession. Because I was wondering, was it my fault? Was it my fault that my men weren't mentally and physically prepared before they got into the ring with their matches? You look to the manager a lot of times. And I was sitting there, and I was about that close to calling it quits. And then fate stepped in. The telephone rang. It was a long-distance phone call from Tallahassee, Florida. It's my Uncle Bobby. That's right, Bobby Bowden, coach of the national champion, Uncle Seminole. That's exactly right. For those of you that don't know, of course, I'm sure people in this area probably don't even follow college football because you've got teams out here like Memphis State. Oh, excuse me. The University of Memphis, Tiger High, whatever you want to call it. They couldn't beat my high school alma mater, the Germantown Red Devils, in a football game, let alone a college team. And another redneck team, the Tennessee Volunteers, got beat last week by the number two team in Florida, the University of Florida Gators. And brother, Uncle Bobby said, Scotty boy, that's what he likes to call me, Scotty boy. He said, I understand you're having a little trouble there in Memphis, but I want you to come down to Tallahassee and give an inspirational talk to my players. And I was so touched. I went down to Tallahassee, and I spoke to the fellas, and I told them, about how against all odds, I've come back week after week after getting pile-driven, after getting fire thrown in my face, after getting hit with a chair, hit with a chain. And I looked out, Dave, and there were 300-pound linemen with tears in their eyes as I spoke. And they told me afterwards that they are so fired up that they're going to hit the field today and just crush North Carolina, baby. They are on their way back to number one after my inspirational talk. You went to Tallahassee and gave the Florida State number three, four team in the country an inspirational talk, okay? That's exactly right, Dave, and you're going to see a total turnaround in their play. They're going to score 100 points today, they promised me. And as a token of gratitude, as you can see right here, Clifton Abraham, the cornerback, last week scored, I think, four touchdowns. Gave me this workout shirt. It's a little bit big on me, but I'm working out, and I'll fill it out pretty soon. You can better believe that. And Derek Brooks, Derek Brooks, who recently came back from a suspension, gave me a Florida State starter jacket. Of course, I have sense enough not to wear a starter jacket here in this city because you get shot and somebody rip it off your back before you even knew what happened. But the greatest gift, the greatest gift might just be right here. This Florida State football helmet that Uncle Bobby himself gave to me. He, gave, he said, Scotty boy, 
Can I see that? Yeah, you can look at it. Hey, don't go smudge it all up. Well, it looks like it was painted with a spray can. Uh, that, that does not look like a legitimate Florida right. State football helmet to me. Have you ever played football for Florida State? I have not. Neither well, of you. Up, then shut up, then. You don't know what their helmets are like, old man. i tell you what I'm going to do. You and Florida State, good luck to Florida State. I'll reserve judgment on uh, wishing you good luck. Hey, look at this. And Maybe you can I talk about all of this stuff. Make it all up. Tell us about whatever dream you had. We're going to be back and get this show underway in just a moment. So there I am, you know, with all this fresh FSU gear. You know, I'm rocking the starter jacket. You know, I've got the workout shirt and all that kind of stuff. And I've got the Florida State football helmet. And Dave has the gall to suggest that it's spray painted, that perhaps a very good artist... I mean, is there one working in the company that could have done that? I don't. Th- I, don't I don't think so. I mean, and has he ever played football for Florida State? How would he know what their helmets look like? But uh, this sets up a, <laughs> a big angle with Randy Hales and me, where Lawler burns my jacket. He can't burn me in the face because I've got my helmet on. So Uncle Bobby was right with that strategy, with that defensive strategy. But uh, he. Uh, he throws a fireball at it. Now, thank God I was wearing the football helmet that my Uncle Bobby gave me. I mean, that was the right defensive strategy. But the starter jacket was ruined beyond prepare. And I was furious. That, to me, should have been an automatic suspension of the king. But huh, you think Randy Hales is going to do that? Not bloody likely. Scott Bowden up there want to know what the uh, discussion's all about. The referees... Questioning Gilbert. Look out, Bishop's got the chain. He hammers both the eliminators. I think I can't stand the sore loser, baby. Oh, well. One thing I can't stand is that kind of stuff. Why don't you get them out of here, Scott? They wonder about it. Now they go to just try to hurt the eliminators, what they're doing nowadays. And using the chain, too. Oh, Bishop's still got that thing wrapped around his right fist as he pounds Cronus over in the corner. Man. Beaches and Gilbert get the win, but that's not enough. Here comes some help. Guys. Yeah, they get him out of here. Here's Jerry Lawler, Brian Christopher. Christopher goes up to Doug Gilbert. Lawler dunks Beaches over that top rope. And Mel jumps on the back of Jerry Lawler. He's got that helmet on. Jumps on the back of Lawler. Beaches and Gilbert out, but they leave Scott Bowden. Look at this! Hey, look at that! Oh. What fire! Oh. oh! There you go, Scott Bowden. Keep that in mind for the future, too, as Scott Bowden goes running out of here. Oh, he took off, didn't he? He wore the jacket out. I guess maybe the, thing, the uh, king thought he was cold, so he would help warm him up just a little bit. And there goes... So we actually went to a break after uh, Lawler tossed the, the fireball at my jacket. And Jerry and I are standing in the back with a lighter, and we're desperately trying to get a, a hole you know, to, to in, the, in the middle of the jacket that would be visible on television. And, man, we're going over that thing, and, and just it's not happening. And we've, and we've got seconds to get out there because the whole idea is for me to go out there and go, look, he burned a hole right through it, and for me to be able to stick my fingers through it. And right then, as we're coming out of a break, a cameraman comes right in the area where Lawler and I are, and we both are just like, ah! <laughs> we both jump because we think for a split second that that camera is live, which <laughs> that would have uh, taken a lot of explaining to do. Uh, Jerry and I have kind of laughed about that a few times over the years. But uh, we finally get the hole out there. 
I run out and the rest is history. Uh, this is, uh, this caused some friction, unfortunately, between Dave and I, I was actually instructed by Randy Hales to specifically use the word retarded. Now, Randy speaks, uh, and Randy, Randy's from the South speaks a little slower than most. Uh, but you know, the guy, um, is a hard worker and, you know, has a great love for the business and has worked his butt off to get into the profession. So no one had ever really taken a knock at him for the way he spoke. And it never even occurred to me to do it. But Randy wanted it to be personal, and he felt like it would be more real. So I went with it. But nobody clued Dave Brown in on this, which uh, I think, you know, as Dave was was getting older and, and, and times were changing, he was a little bit more sensitive about some of the language, and probably rightfully so, that was being used on the station. And, you know, he was the, still the number one weatherman in the city, so he had a reputation to protect. And I can see that in hindsight now, but at the time, when I said it, I really thought he was working with me, which is why I kept repeating it over and over and over again until he threatened to throw me off the air. Let's listen to the clip now. Scott Bowden, you've got several legitimate things to talk about. As long as you'll do that, you may have your say. Don't start on that football. Hey, don't cut me off again, Dave Brown. You've been rude to me all day. You know why Randy Hales doesn't have the authority to suspend Jerry Lawler? Have you ever wondered that? Why Randy Hales never makes a decision? Have you ever wondered that, Dave Brown? He makes decisions. Oh. No, he doesn't. You know why? Because he's nothing more than a figurehead. That's because he's partially retarded, Dave Brown. I didn't know him uh, more Don't that. start with I that stuff. I didn't know him that, but Randy Hales is partially retarded. Dave Brown, have you ever seen the look on a wrestler's face when he wins a big match? He's grinning from ear to ear, and he's jumping up and down. Have you ever seen that look? That's the same thing that Randy Hales does whenever he, he forms a complete sentence. He's an idiot. He's legitimate. Hey. Let me tell you something, he does not have the power to make a decision out here. So come on out here, boy, because you can't suspend me either, because I'll slap you around. Evidently, you don't have the authority of stinking redneck from Jonesboro. The reason why nobody ever knew he was retarded, because he lives in Jonesboro. Don't say that again. Nobody notices, because everybody in Jonesboro is retarded. Come on, Scott. All right, you get ready to get cut off yeah, one more time here, because we're not going to put up on this. Come out here and talk about Randy now. Hales. You've you know got ma there are matches you know coming up this he week. He has a job here in the USWA because you think, well, he's retarded, so why they have him around? Well, many years ago. Quit using that word. Many years ago, Eddie Martin was going through Jonesboro, and he met up with a little wrestling groupie, and now Randy Hales is the illegitimate son. Now, stop. That's it right there. I've had it. Not yeah, going to listen to any more of this. That is it. It's I told you, you come out here and you talk about... Randy, speak for himself. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, Randy. Got, got the place for it. Randy, Randy. Scott, stay back away from me. Hey, hey, hey. Randy, stay back. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. All right, take him on out of here. 
Please, get him out of here. All right, Randy, hold on. This is not the place, Randy. Hold on. I know. Let's just take a break. We'll be back here. So, yeah, that got me nuclear heat uh, with Dave Brown, but it got me some respect from some of the boys because I, they were like, hey, that was a hell of a bump over the desk. And I'm like, I had no choice. Randy came flying over the desk, and uh, it was just crazy. It was one of those ridiculous pull-apart brawls where Eddie Marlin, Kevin Lawler, and poor Mr. Coffee <laughs> are trying to pull us apart. We, we look like two accountants fighting over the last receipt tape or something. <laughs> but, uh, and, but Randy was like, and he was like throwing these wild punches that were landed on the side of my head. So I was like, all right. So I was laying them in there too. Uh, but I did notice like a couple points in the, in the, in the brawl that we were having that, uh, that I was smiling really big, which was, you know, a tick of a young Jerry Lawler and also the rock when he first started wrestling, because, you know, this is a lot of fun. It's an adrenaline rush. And sometimes you're not really thinking, uh, you know, I shouldn't be, I, I can enjoy myself while I'm doing this, but I shouldn't let the public know I'm enjoying it because I'm supposed to be in, you know, deadly head to hand to hand combat with Randy Hales. As you might imagine, the series of matches between Randy Hales and me were not exactly Ric Flair, or Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> we do some pretty good houses, though, and it also enabled me to fulfill a dream of mine. I headlined a card at the Mid-South Coliseum, teaming with Tommy Rich against Jerry Lawler and Randy Hales. If you had told me when I was a kid that one day I was going to be in the main event against Jerry Lawler, I would have uh, I would have flipped. I Actually, I, I think I flipped when I found out that night, you know, because, hey, I entered the business of Total Mark. I, and I think uh, some of the best, most passionate performers feel that way. That's why they get into the business. It's not necessarily to make a lot of money. It's to, and I certainly didn't. <laughs> Uh, it's just doing something that you enjoy and that you're passionate about. Well, after that ran its course, they put me into a program with the next guy who uh, it might seem believable that I could actually beat up in a fight, and that was downtown Bruno. Now, Bruno had recently separated from his wife, Uptown Karen, who had appeared on television. And kind of going back to that whole, you know, personal issues draw money, they decided to use their impending divorce uh, as part of an angle. The whole idea was that I was getting these letters on my candy apple red Mitsubishi Eclipse sports car, which was really stupid to tell all the marks and all the fans <laughs> what kind of car I was driving. Um, I can't believe that uh, my tires weren't slashed or my car wasn't tarred and feathered. But at any rate, here's um, a poem that I received called Trailer Park Pillow Talk, and Dave Brown is not amused. North Memphis and Nashville have finally realized they're not in Scott Bowden's class, so they finally stopped writing in. But I woke up at my big house in Germantown today, and what did I find on my candy apple red Mitsubishi Eclipse sports card? Another letter. Now, I, don't, I hadn't opened it yet, and I don't know who it's from, but I think I, it might be from that mysterious girl only known as Karen. Let's open it up and let's see what it is, Dave. Oh, my God! It's a poem! It's a poem, Dave. I'm going to read the poem. It's called Trailer Park Pillow Talk. This, this is going to be good, Dave. I'm a prisoner of love, and you are my jailer. Take me away to Germantown and out of this white trash trailer. 
I'm ripe for the picking, about to fall off the vine. Yes, take me to Germantown where the sun always shines. Scott, you are very tall, but definitely worth the climb. I hate my husband's body, especially at bedtime. My husband is a loser who doesn't have any money. He never gets romantic. He may be a little funny. If he'd only take a bath, that's one of my wishes. But he can't get in the tub because it's full of dirty dishes. I was born in Scotland, my hometown I'll always treasure. But I'm ready to visit Scotsland, the home of money and pleasure. Woo! Dave! Oh my gosh, this girl has got it bad. Now, you know... All right, here, here comes Bruno. Now, what are you doing out here? I did not say that this is from Karen, but, you know... Yeah, you I did. No, not necessarily. I said it was from a girl named Karen. But let's see. She says her husband's a loser, and, well, Bruno's a loser. She said she lives in a trailer. Bruno, you are the only person I know that lives in a trailer. She makes fun of her husband's appearance. Well, look at you, Bruno. You got the height of Bill Dundee and the body of Randy Hales. What woman would be attracted to you? Huh? I think this is from your wife. I'm breaking up. Let me tell you something right now. I told you this before and I'll tell you again. You better listen to me. I love my wife. I've had some serious problems. It ain't none of your business. It's my fault and I'm sorry. You don't need to get involved in my problems. And I promise you this. If you even insinuate anything about her again or she writes you a letter or a poem, listen to me real good, son. I'm going to kill you. He just threatened me, Dave. Hey, it's not my fault. Your, your woman wants a real man, Bruno. It's not my fault, baby. Scott Bowden up here out of stirring up trouble, which has become pretty normal for Scott Bowden. I think Dave did crack a little bit of a smile with that line. If he'd only take a bath, that's one of my wishes. But he can't get in the tub because it's full of dirty dishes. Dave, I think, I think Dave was biting his bottom lip there. I think he wanted to laugh, but uh, he was afraid to. <laughs> And then we also came back with uh, the deal on Valentine's Day, where she uh, she had sent me some candy. And what's funny here is that Dave is trying. <laughs> we just screwed some guy out of a, out of a match, and you know we're celebrating the victory. And Dave's wanting to talk about the rules infraction, and I just go right into the deal about having the Valentine. He goes, "Oh yeah, you don't even want to talk about that, do you?" Uh, just really coming after me, and it's great stuff. You holding him down over there too. That's- it's a hollow victory, I would say. You got the win, but we saw exactly how you did it, and everybody else did, too. Dave, this is starting to get... Oh, you don't want to talk about the match, oh, no, huh? Dave, yeah, I see. On. Let's move on. That's history. Dave, this is starting to get a little bit embarrassing. I got here today, and there's a big box of Valentine candy, and a big thing saying, Be my Valentine, and it was signed from Karen. Now, Dave, am I blessing, Dave? Am I blessing, Dave? This is starting to make me a little bit embarrassed. Well, I'm going to have some of this chocolate here. The sweet taste of love, Dave. Love is in the air. Everybody's talking about the St. Valentine's Day massacre. The only massacre is the death of Bruno and Karen's marriage. Because I'm busting them up, baby. Now, here's Bruno. This has been going on for several weeks now. Yeah, it's getting really old. Let me tell you something right now, Scott. I come out here week after week, listen to you run your mouth by all this nonsense. You know what? I've had enough. Karen ain't wrote you no letters, she ain't sent you nothing, no Valentine's, no candy, no balloon. In fact, I brought her down here with me this week. I'd like to bring her out here right now. I want to get all this nonsense straight, once and for all. Yes, I brought her here today. Come out here. Here comes Karen. Hey, baby, try to control yourself. Try to control yourself, okay? Family stuff. Listen to me right now. 
I want you to tell this piece of garbage right now the truth. You never sent him no letters. You never sent him no candy. You never sent him no Valentine. I never sent you any letters, any candy, or any Valentines. Exactly. Now what? Oh, well, in your face. He's not going to come out here in a minute. She's busted, man. She's busted. Hey, you're trying to say that she didn't write me any letters, huh? You just heard the girl, didn't you? Okay, hey. Have you ever gotten a love letter from your wife, or, is, or am I the only one she's writing? Have you ever gotten a letter from her? Have you ever? Uh, she ain't never wrote you nothing. Of course I have. So you know, you know your wife's own handwriting. Is what, that's what you're telling me, right? Of course I know her handwriting, you goof. How about this? How about this? Does this look familiar? How about that, Bruno? Yeah! How about that? That's nonsense. Ah! I told you, Dave. She wants me, Dave. She wants me. Cupid has gone out to Walls, Mississippi, and has shot his little arrow at Karen's little booty, and she is in love with Scott Bowden. Love is in the air, Dave. Love is in the air. For Scott Bowden, at least that's his version of the whole story there. Well, I don't know. It's just when you consider Bowden and all that's uh, going on. We've got more coming up here in just a moment. You stay with us. We'll be talking more about the Valentine's Massacre when we return. So just when it seemed like some of the heat I had with Dave was starting to cool, I actually called Dave uh, at the WMC studio uh, during the week following the, uh, the the incident where I you know I kept saying retarded over and over, um, and I wanted him to know that I, I you know I grew up watching he and Lance, and I certainly meant no disrespect, and I honestly just thought we were dancing, you know, I thought we were working, but. Uh, we started to kind of get along a little bit again, and then I just can't help myself. I have to go out there and say something really stupid once again. And I was in ear, within earshot when Dave tells the entire viewing audience that he's going to have some words with me as soon as the show is over. And I'm not looking forward to this. Tommy Rich. Life is good. Dangerous Doug Gilbert. They hold the titles, and they're in the catbird seat. Well, you know what it amounts to, Lance? It's just like Dangerous Doug Gilbert and the Wildfire said. We said we'd beat anything WWF sent to us. We'd beat them. We said anything Randy Hales, the USWA, could bring to us. We'd beat them. Well, then it comes down that we wrestle. USWA's best. PG-13. It comes down to a big feud. Loser leaves town. Well, who's standing here, Lance Russell? You want it. Hey. Ain't that well, right, Banana that's Nose? That's right. What else can we say? <laughs> I mean, it is all good, ain't it, Lance? Ain't it? <laughs> you know what Tommy said? We are in a good mood today. We're happier than a drunken Indian on payday. Because, you see, a lot of guys come out here and they say, I'm going to cut so-and-so's hair. I'm going to run so-and-so out of town. But when you look at Tommy Rich and Doug Gilbert, these are two guys that always cross the finish line. You understand what I'm saying? We told everyone we were going to run PG-13 out of town, and what happened? Last time we saw those two idiots, they were in front of the Greyhound bus station holding a little sign saying, we'll wrestle for bus fare. You know what I'm saying? And ever since then, ever since we ran them off, Randy Hales, the president of the PG-13 fan club, has threatened us to bring in all this tough competition. And what did he bring us? Beavis and Butthead, the Headbangers, the Outlaw Tag Team Champions, two guys that have toiled in the minor leagues well, they got a rude introduction to the major league, didn't they, Lance Russell? Who's next, Randy Hales? Who's next, Corey Macklin and Lance Russell? How about Dave and his little pal Snowbird? We'll take them all on, Randy. <laughs> you know what, Lance Russell? Hold on just a second. Hey, Scott Bowden. Well, since Randy Hales 
don't seem like he can find what we call competition. Hey, Tommy, let's just make a little vow here today. Let's just say everybody, Lance Russell, from now on, this is a promise from myself, Tommy Rich, and none other than Scott Bowden, we are going to destroy any team that we get in the ring with, no matter who it is. So, Tommy, let's take the destruction to the ring, okay? I wish you would. You've got a match scheduled in here as we are ready for it. Let's go to the ring and Corey Macklin. Corey. Okay, Lancer, we're ready for action. One fall, a 10-minute time limit. Introducing at a combined weight of 417 pounds. On a parts unknown, here is the Green Shadow and his partner, the Colorado Skulls. Their opponents today combined weight of 473 pounds. Wrestling out of Lexington, Tennessee. Dangerous Don Gilbert and his partner out of Hotlanta, Georgia. Wildfire Tommy Rich. And in the corner, the manager Scott Bass. They are the USWA Tag Team Champions. Bruno, the official referee, of course, the title that I'm taking this one over to L and D. Okay. A team that we're totally unfamiliar with, the Green Shadow. And uh, I'm so unfamiliar with them, I yeah. gotta look to find out what the name is. Yeah, it's Kaleidoscope. Well, yeah. it's it, uh, outfit does, they, they outfits go with their names, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Green Shadow not having much luck right now, though, against Wildfire Tommy Rich. Rich and Gilbert, the USWA Tag Champions. It's a, it's a non-title match. Doug Gilbert insulting the level of the competition. By the way, we'd like to apologize for uh, a couple of the remarks that Scott Bowden made. I'll be having some words with Mr. Bowden a little bit later on. Uh, Out of the ring, the green shadow, Doug Gilbert grabbing him up in the ring. You know, I heard earlier this year that uh, Dave Brown on Twitter had said, somebody had asked him, was there ever a wrestler who terrified you? And he said, well, he, he didn't scare me physically but I never knew what Scott Bowden was going to say on TV. Uh, and, and it did bother me. Um, and then when Lance passed away, I wrote an article, uh, a tribute to Lance, really to Lance and Dave, uh, that was from the heart. Uh, I've been watching these guys since 1977 when I was six years old. I grew to, uh, you know, care for these guys and felt like I felt like I knew them. You know, they felt like almost like my uncle and Lance was maybe my grandfather. Uh, they both felt like neighbors that uh, stopped by at any moment for a slice of pie and a cup of coffee uh, and sit on the front porch and talk for hours. I really cared about both men a great deal. And, you know, I just thought Lance could never pass away. And I just let a flood of emotions come out in this piece. And, and Dave read it and sent me a really nice note. And then uh, to show what a class act he truly is, when my sister recently passed away, Dave took the time to watch the video that I put together for Angie. And once again, uh, said it was a lovely tribute. And that meant a lot to me. And it also meant a lot to me that he met me for lunch. We swept everything under the rug and just uh, laughed about it. Because really, you know, it was just a moment in time where there was a misunderstanding on live television. And I'm delighted today to say that Dave Brown and I no longer have heat and we can laugh about it. Well, Scott, we'll be doing a lot more laughing on this show in the weeks ahead. And who knows, maybe 
Dave Brown himself will be joining us for some talk about Memphis wrestling. But as we begin to wrap things up, of course, you could follow me on Twitter at Great Brian Last, and you could follow Scott on Twitter at Trav Scott Bowden. You can follow Kentucky Fried Wrestling on Facebook, like the page facebook.com slash Kentucky Fried Wrestling. You can hear me each and every week on the 605 Super Podcast, 605pod.com, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you find your favorite podcast, classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Kentucky Fried Wrestling is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Well, Brian, it feels good to get that first show of 2018 out there. I feel really good about it. I want to put 2017 behind me and move forward. Uh, Really looking forward to a great year on Kentucky Fried Wrestling, the podcast. We're going to get extra crispy this year, baby. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of championship wrestling.